The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Youth Voice Amplified are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent the official position of the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Office. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, school, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Youth Voice Amplified covers a wide range of topics that can be upsetting to some listeners. Content warning for each episode and links to resources can be found in the episode show notes on our website. All names in this interview have been changed for anonymity and safety purposes, but their voices and stories are real. When young people share their stories, they can change the world. But some youth voices still go unheard. Join me, Janessa Fisher. And me, Brian Johnson, for this youth-led monthly interview series as young people tell their untold stories of experiences with homelessness, foster care, disabilities, teen parenting, and more. Each conversation will uncover stories of hope, strength from our youth storytellers who want to share the best ways that we can all support youth in similar situations as theirs. If you want to know how to do better for youth or simply just be inspired, this is your show. Every youth has a story to tell. Are you ready to listen? Hey everyone and welcome to Youth Voice Amplified Podcast, the podcast where every youth is heard and every voice matters. I'm your host, Janessa. And I'm Brian. Today we're talking about the role of student voice in schools with homeless youth advocate and adult ally, Allison Baptiste. She will also have great advice at the end of the show if you're considering student voice project at your school or agency, so make sure you listen all the way through. Brian, what does student voice mean to you specifically? Student voice means to me that the opinions and just the experiences of the student within the schools are actually being listened to. So like if a student is saying something about their education or how it could be better for them, you know, adults actually take that in perspective and actually implement it within the school, listening, but not actively, you know, trying to pursue these things. Because if that's the case, you know, why even ask how can they make their experience better within the educational system? You know, you're kind of just like pushing them away. So I feel like if it's a student or youth or young person's education, anyone, it should be some collaborative effort on on both ends. Like, you know, like it shouldn't just be adults just doing everything like you need this, you need that. The student should be involved as well. So that's why it's important to me. I agree with you. And for me, it's it's the same thing. And not even just, I know today's episode is about student voice, but in all aspects of life, we kind of overlook our our, our youth. In all all aspects of life, we we overlook them in the sense of like, they're not old enough, they're not ready, they don't understand what's going on. When in reality, you explain it to us, we probably could pick it up faster. Um, but I just, that's why I'm so excited about the podcast and, and this opportunity that we get to have to use our voice to help other youth. And so agencies who work with them and or schools or agencies, like whoever is working with them, they can use this as a way of like opening that door to using student voice, youth voice. Yeah, and like some of the youth that are overlooked are like our foster, our homeless students, students with disabilities, students who have language barriers that they need help with within the schools. You know, it's not just there's a wide variety of students that just need to be listened to in general. Like there's a lot of students that are overlooked. I agree with you, even chronic illness. Why do you think youth expertise is not used enough by schools and agencies? Like uh, I think they just don't listen to youth enough. Like they don't. They don't trust their their own expertise. Like, they don't know what's best for them. It's more so just like, you know, the adults, like I said, kind of just thinking they know what's best and they feel like the student does not know anything about what's best for them, which I feel is wrong. Like, you know, 
if you've been in a situation and you know how you operate and you know what's kind of like best for you and adults, I, they have expertise as well. But, you know, just that collaboration, I think, and that communication is everything. I, I agree with you. I don't know who said this, but I saw it in a presentation a, a while back is nothing about us without us. That's powerful. And I think it, it really speaks to what we're talking about. Nothing about us without us. It just makes sense. If I'm using the pen, I'm going to have feedback on this pen. And you, for you to say, no, I don't care about your feedback on this pen. It's like, then why give me the pen to use? <laughs> don't give me a pen to use. That's true. If it's about you, it should you should be included. I also think there's a stigma. I just, I talk about it all the time, the stigma around youth and like this cloud that we have that we're irresponsible. We don't understand things. We're going to be adults soon. So mm -hmm. might as well teach us, show us, have that collaboration that you were talking about, that communication mm -hmm. and use it to elevate. Yeah, definitely just help the youth be a leader. Like, you know, they're not going to get it right all the time, but they're learning and you have to acknowledge that. And the fact that they want to learn, amazing. <laughs> so, Janessa, to you, like I explained who are overlooked in, in youth voice, what youth do you feel like? Over, are overlooked in youth voice. I feel like you touched on it pretty pretty much. Is like the foster and homeless, the, the youth that are very like overlooked because of their situations. Not the fact that they put themselves in the situations, but they're overlooked because of situations that are happening to them. The cards they've been dealt are not a great hand, mm -hmm. and we overlook them because maybe we don't think they're worth the value. But I mean, it's the exact opposite. They have the most information, and they can give you that feedback, that relevant, needed feedback. Yeah, and I also feel like it's important to touch on, like, you know, just because someone's in a situation like a student, whether it be homeless, foster, that doesn't define them. Like, you know, and I think people get that, that like, confused. Like, you know, it's a situation. They will they will learn from it. They'll grow from it. You know, there's it's, it doesn't define them. That's not who they are. So I think, you know, educators should understand that and kind of just, you know, collaborate and give them the voice that, they, that they're trying to use. So I really believe the student voice movement can make a huge impact on our community and other communities and so does our next guest who's an amazing ally for our youth i'm excited to have allison on the show allison has a master's degree in social work from uc berkeley has worked in child welfare and homeless services for over 10 years she chairs the bakersfield current regional homeless collaborative homeless youth committee and is an adult advisor and is currently a prevention specialist for the current county superintendent of schools office foster and homeless education program now, please enjoy our conversation with Allison Baptiste. Allison, welcome to Youth Voice Amplified Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Allison, so our listeners can get to know you better. If you couldn't pursue this career you have now, what career would you pursue instead? Well, when I was in high school, I really wanted to be a zoologist, but unfortunately, I was really bad in biology, and it really freaked me out to... Uh, cut open those frogs that they give you. So I realized that a zoologist was definitely not a career I should pursue. And then for a while, I really wanted to be a kindergarten teacher too, because I really like hanging out with the the little ones. So if I could do anything else, probably be a kindergarten teacher. Wow, I didn't know about the zoology one. That's, that's yeah, a jump. That's, a, that's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is a jump. We also like to ask our guests, what does youth voice mean to you? Um, so today I'm going to go over a lot of what youth voice is and student voice, but but um, pulling it all together, youth voice really means to me that youth are heard, respected, and truly cared for. In your role at the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Office, you work with schools and students and promoting student voice initiatives. What is student voice and what are some key elements of student voice? 
So student voice is a little bit different than youth voice. Um, so today, uh, for the purpose of what I'm going to be talking about, my focus is going, going to be on student voice. Um, student voice is the practice of educators intentionally, purposefully, and systematically eliciting student viewpoints on a specific topic for improvement purposes. So what's really, really critical about student voice is that educators and administrators need to be intentional. They need to be intentional about eliciting the feedback from youth and students, and they need to be intentional about closing that feedback loop. There's multiple elements of student voice that are really critical to making sure that student voice initiatives work. Um, I'll go over five key ones. Number one would be uh, to make sure that topics in your classroom are relevant to students if you're actually a teacher in the classroom. Number two would be to make sure that students have ongoing discussions with adults. And so administrators, uh, case managers, counselors, anyone can make sure that this one happens. You don't have to be a teacher. Number three would be that students are involved in school and district planning and decisions. So we'll go, I think we'll discuss a little bit later more about what a student adult partnership looks like, but student adult partnerships are critical for student voice. You have to, um, which leads into the next element of student voice number four, have shared power between students and adults on school and district levels. And then number five is that students are involved in the actions to address school improvement on school and district levels. So all of those elements are really, really critical to making sure that student voice initiatives work and uh, really um, meet the purpose of what student voice is supposed to be, which again would be that educators are intentionally eliciting student viewpoints and feedback um, for improvement purposes. When you say shared power, can you elaborate a little more on that? Sure. So um, shared power really looks like making sure that students and adults are both heard. So uh, what's really important about student voice, and I think unfortunately why some people maybe push away from student voice initiatives sometimes, is because sometimes people hear it and think, oh, so the youth or the student just gets to say and do whatever they want. And that's really not what it is. It's really meant to be a collaboration. Um, and so shared power would look like maybe a student has feedback and an administrator sits and actually listens to the feedback and then they talk together about what improvement purpose what improvement projects could be done uh, for that purpose so it wouldn't be that the student says you know um, I think that this this whole school needs to change yada yada and that administrator just says okay because you're saying that we'll do that that administrator and the student would actually sit together and find a, a plan that would make it practical for that to happen can you tell us a little bit more about student and adult partnerships? Sure. So I went into that a little bit with um, with uh, talking about the shared power, but that's the reason I'm focusing so much on that is there is a real big misconception of student adult partnerships that it's just whatever the student wants, which is like I said, really not what student adult partnerships is. Um, student adult partnerships is critical for student voice because you have to have administrators or educators that are true caring adults that are willing to really fight for the mission of student voice. Um, what you have to be careful about though with student adult partnerships is to be avoiding tokenism. So tokenism unfortunately um, happens when students are in formal and informal roles. Um, and it happens a lot of times because unfortunately what happens is 
maybe an agency or a district will want to say that they're incorporating student voice. So they'll add a student onto a board or they'll add a student into a meeting to be able to kind of check that box saying, oh, well, we have a student here. So we got student feedback. But it go you have to be careful not to do that because you have to be um, actually making sure that the student's voice is, is really truly heard. Uh, and tokenism a lot of times will happen so that you can check that box and say, well, we had a student in the room, so we had student feedback, even if that student's feedback is not listened to. So um, definitely make sure that student-adult partnerships are um, genuine and authentic and that the adults in the room actually really genuinely care about what the um, the students are saying. So like with tokenism, it, it sounds kind of like adultism. Can you explain the difference? Tokenism uh, does reinforce adultism, um, but adultism describes the systems and privileges um, and attitudes that adults have over uh, other young people. So it's a little bit different because adultism is what us as adults will unintentionally uh, do or it'll be the actions that we unintentionally take because we believe that we have more authority and that our our knowledge should be looked at highly more highly than other youth where tokenism is really taking the youth and putting them in some kind of situation in which we can say okay we listen to a youth um and uh, we put them in front of a board of trustees, for example, and had them present, even if you're not actually trying to get their feedback, just to say that you did it. So adultism is really what's within us. And it's a lot of times unintentional. A lot of times we don't really think about it. Um, but tokenism is us actually creating a plan to put a youth in front of people a lot of times to present or to provide feedback, even if we're not really trying to um, take their feedback into account. We just want to say that we we're listening to students. Thank you for explaining the difference. I know that can be a little bit confusing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some examples of student voice projects that schools can actually implement? Sure. So um, in Kern County, we uh, do have a youth action board, which is phenomenal. And uh, our Youth Action Board in Kern County uh, that we really use as the spotlight would be the Bakersfield Kern Regional Homeless Collaboratives Youth Action Board. And um, what those individuals do is they get together and they discuss policies, procedures, changes for how the county actually operates regarding youth homelessness. But that um, concept can be mirrored down to high schools and middle schools. So you can have youth advisory boards for homeless students, for example, at schools and actually be pulling their feedback, be bringing administrators into the room with them, having real conversations and making sure that you're closing that feedback loop so that you're not actually leading to tokenism. But there's so many different student voice projects that can be implemented in schools. So I think what ends up happening, unfortunately, sometimes is that schools will be focused on the fact that they don't have as many resources, as much time, um, as much staff as they would like to implement some of these projects. So it may dissuade them. But there's extremely low effort ideas that any school could do as well. So something as simple as putting out a feedback box or what we like to call a worry box so students can anonymously submit their ideas or concerns for feedback um, that can also be a student voice initiative but 
what would be important about something like that is that when students submit their feedback, someone actually follows up and shows that they were listening and that they're taking into account the feedback that was that was done. Um, some other types of student voice ideas that can be utilized at schools would be things like uh, photojournalism, which I know in Kern County uh, is being done through some agencies, and we actually have some districts in Kern County who are looking to also implement photojournalist projects. Uh, you can have focus groups, you can have student surveys. Um, one of my favorites, which does require quite a bit more effort, would be um, having a student council. But the reason this would create more effort is that unfortunately sometimes what happens is we unintentionally get tokenism pulled into student councils because what happens is that you should, the best practice is to have a student council with students of different um, backgrounds and uh, students that have had adversity like foster and homeless youth and then have one of the representatives from the student council actually sit as a student representative on the school board. But what happens sometimes is that that student maybe will not have a vote on the school board, or maybe they're just there to check the box that there's a student on the school board. So really the best practice is to have a student council, have a representative from student council, sit on your school board and actually have voting privileges as a student representative. Like I said, that takes a lot more effort <laughs> than some of these other student voice um, initiatives, but that is really, really hitting at the crux of what student voice is because that's intentional about pulling out feedback for systemic change. Um, there's a few other types of really cool ideas that are being utilized in other districts around the United States. Um, so one of them is actually uh, some districts are hiring a student voice coordinator position, which would oversee like the development and evaluation of student voice initiatives on campuses. Some other ones are that students are actually hiring educators. Um, so they're actually sitting on hiring panels and actually hiring educators themselves. And then another one, which is really, really fascinating, is uh, students as classroom auditors, which is utilized um, in some districts around the United States as well, where students go from different groups and they visit different types of classrooms um, and actually evaluate the teacher's um, uh, engagement with the students, and they can also actually evaluate if the teacher's listening to the students in the classroom. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. <laughs> Those I mean, are like, just a couple examples. In the sense of like <laughs> the auditors, that's kind of a cool one because I remember being in school and like seeing everybody come in and just stand in the back. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Bakersfield Kern Regional Homeless Collaborative Youth Action Board? Sure. So I mentioned that briefly, um, that really uh, they are kind of our gold star in our community regarding um, youth action boards and youth advisory boards because they have done so much um, working with local leaders, uh, making policy change, really having such an influence on where homeless funds have gone in our community. Uh, I am one of two uh, adult advisors of the Youth Action Board. So the most important lesson I would say from that is that just like I was talking about earlier, authentic student adult partnerships, you have to really, really care. Um, when I started as one of the 
adult advisors of the Youth Action Board, it was really hard to get people to really engage um, and to get local leaders to really respect these youth that were on this advisory board and respect their feedback. And so myself and the other advisor really, really pushed hard to make sure that these youth were heard, um, they were respected, that they had the leadership skills to be able to be taken seriously by the public. And so that is an example of a youth advisory board. But like I said, you know, that's what we would like to see on middle and high school campuses is that there's caring adults that step into these advisor roles and be able to start youth action boards or youth advisory boards, letting homeless or foster students really speak their voice. And these caring adults really help turn these youth into leaders. Going back to student voice, um, is there any research that supports student voice work? Yeah, so there's, there is research um, that supports it. There's two main studies that I can talk about. Uh, the first one is um, there were two researchers in 2009 named Mitra and Gross, and they created a student voice pyramid. And what's important about that is if you're trying to get into student voice, they're really the researchers to look back to um, because they're the ones that are quoted all the time, cited all the time because of their research. And through their research, they uh, on their pyramid, they created three levels of learner's voice which essentially means that students cannot get to where we want them to be as leaders without having all the elements that they um, they need before that. So what their uh, research says is that all students really need to be heard. So that's the most important is anyone can listen to a student. A teacher can listen to a student. A custodian can listen to a student. A principal can listen to a student. It's just really about creating that culture in a school about making sure that adults are really listening to students and students feel like they're being heard. And then the pyramid uh, from there goes up into making sure that students are collaborating with adults. And that's where student adult partnerships come into play. Because if you don't have adults that are willing to really collaborate, mm -hmm. then what's next? I mean, then the whole idea falls apart because you can listen to students, but you need to have collaboration and actually to be able to make systemic change. And then what's really important about their research is that the top of the pyramid, which you're supposed to get to, which would be the ideal situation, would be that all these students that you're listening to are building the capacity to be leaders. So at the end of the day, the point of student voice really is to take students, make sure that they're being heard, and then turn them into little civic leaders in our community. So. Um, I really like that because I think that if we are not making sure that our students are being turned into leaders, especially those with backgrounds of adversity, then we're not making schools equitable. We're not making the community equitable. We need to make sure that all students are heard, but that they're also being given the leadership skills they need to be those little civic leaders, because at some point they're going to be the ones that really move our society forward. Um, so that's one interesting part of uh, research and really the main one um, that supports student voice. But one other one that I'll just refer to really quickly is that in 2021, the Rand Corporation also did a, a student voice study. And it was related to if student voice student voices are being heard during the COVID pandemic. 
And unfortunately, what they ended up finding out was that even the stu- even the teachers who really, really had a focus on student voice and listening to students' feedback pre-pandemic stopped doing it <laughs> during the pandemic for a lot of different reasons. And um, so unfortunately, what they had determined was that half or more than half of teachers and school leaders admitted to placing a lot less emphasis on integrating any student voice during the pandemic. So now that we're moving past the pandemic, it's even more critical that we jump back to that and we pull that back out because that was one of those things that we lost um, during the pandemic. So when we're trying to re-engage these students because of all the learning loss that they've had, one of the best ways we can do that is to really integrate student voice initiatives back into our schools. Why is student voice important for foster and homeless students? So um, what's really, really critical about student voice is that it's to create systemic change, but it's also to engage our students, right? So we want our students to really care about going to school. We want our students to really feel like they're a part of something. Um, In Kern County, unfortunately, our foster and homeless students have the highest rates of chronic absenteeism and and, uh, high school dropout rates, which is not different than a lot of other communities. A lot of other communities have the same um, situation. But student voice initiatives are supposed to be able to help those two things. So um, there is research that says that students that feel like they're heard in school are seven times more likely to be academically motivated than than those that feel like they're not heard. So if we can engage our students through student voice initiatives, even something as simple as, like I said, a worry box on our campus um, or something as complicated as a student council, we, as long as we're integrating homeless and foster students and making sure that their voices are heard, we should be able to be lowering the rates of chronic absenteeism and high school dropout rates. And this is specifically only for foster and homeless, correct? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because student voice initiatives are to make the entire campus better. Um, so you can use student voice initiatives with any groups. Um, we just, because I'm in the foster and homeless education program, obviously have a focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where my passion comes from is making sure that our homeless and foster youth are heard. But student voice initiatives are, if they are done and all students can participate in them, then it's it just helps elevate engagement of all students on campus, which can also help the school climate as well. You say you were speaking of how it can help the school climate, but um, what are some of the benefits of like incorporating student voice in the schools? Sure. So um, one thing I'll say is it sounds a little weird to talk about students in school like this, but practically, why wouldn't you listen to a consumer? if you're running some kind of business or organization. So yes, this is a school setting, so it sounds weird to talk about it that way, but really what business does not listen to their consumer, right? So if you're going out and you're buying some pair of tennis shoes and the consumers are saying, we hate these tennis shoes, any business that wants to stay in business is then going to take that feedback and improve the tennis shoe to make it better. So if our students are saying, XYZ is not working for us at school, then why wouldn't we practically listen to that and try and make those changes so that they can be more engaged and more successful in school? So I would say that um, it's just truly listening to the feedback of students is so beneficial to schools because why wouldn't it work? 
I mean, you know, I understand that there's a lot of lack of resources and things like that, but once you actually take the feedback from the students, maybe they start going to class more. Maybe they start getting better grades. Maybe they stop dropping out of high school. And so then at the end of the day, your scores are getting better in your schools. People are happier. Maybe teachers are happier because their students are happier. Um, so that's one of the huge benefits of incorporating student voice. Um, some of the other really important benefits of incorporating student voice would be, like I said, we want to make um, sure that we're lowering the rates of chronic absenteeism and high school dropout rates, specifically for foster and homeless students. And then we want to make sure that we're creating these equitable schools because it's really important to know that if we're only going off of our adult version of what's equitable, our schools are not equitable. <laughs> we have to look at what the students think is equitable. Otherwise, it's just our, our schools will be equitable in the eyes of adults, which does not mean they're actually equitable. Um, and then ultimately, like I was saying, you know, what we really want to do is use student voice to build these little leaders and to create new civic leaders in our communities. And we want to make sure that the students that are being taught in our communities are, are the next local leaders and can really make change. But we have to show them that they're heard from an early age for that to actually happen. What made you so passionate about student voice? So, um, Prior to working for Kern County Superintendent of Schools and doing the work that I currently do, uh, I was a I I worked for child welfare, um, and before that, I was I had a situation in which when I was getting my MSW at UC Berkeley, I was a counselor at um, a foster camp. Uh, so it was it was like a summer camp for teenage foster youth, and. <clears throat> this was the first experience I really had in the situation where I saw a foster youth really just not be heard and it's never left me. So what happened was I was at this camp with all of these teenage foster youth and there was this youth there. Um, he was about 16 at the time and this really big kid had such a big personality, wanted to be a rapper, um, was just honestly one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. So sweet, so caring, uh, talked about all the ambitions he had. One day he wanted to do music and he wanted to make a change. And I learned so much about this kid and his background and how he ended up in foster care and the adversity he went through. And during that week that I was there with him at the foster camp, there were a couple times where he made comments about how he didn't want to go back to his group home because he felt like they didn't listen to him and how he felt like he didn't belong there. And he was really upset to go back. And I remember I had been told by the director at the time how um, he she didn't use the word like bad kid, but she had basically implied that like that he had behavioral issues. He really wasn't a good kid a lot of the time, etc. And that was so hard for me to understand because the kid that was in front of me that I was with all week was so sweet, so caring, so intelligent and um, would just sometimes make comments about how his parents weren't there for him. And now the group home staff wasn't there for him either and how they didn't listen to him. So it was really interesting because this sweet kid at the end of the week, um, I watched turn into someone else. So the group home staff came to pick him up and within minutes of them getting there, 
They didn't care. I mean, it was clear. They did not care what he had to say. Um, he was saying that he, I think he was saying that he needed a couple minutes to do something. I don't remember. And they basically told him they didn't care um, what he needed to do and that he needed to listen to them and that he essentially needed to just shut up and get in the car and go with them. And in minutes, this kid turned into like aggressive, angry, yelling, cussing, throwing stuff. And it was so um, clear to me in that moment how important it is for us to really, really genuinely care about the youth that we're working with and to listen to them. Because all he was trying to do was talk to them and they shut him down and his whole everything he was as a person just changed. And it broke my heart because I just kept thinking like, man, if they just listen to him, they could see what, how inspirational he is, how sweet he is. But in minutes, because they didn't listen to him, look at what he turned into. And they're making him into someone that he's not um, because they don't even want to listen to him. So that was my first real experience seeing a student just completely change um, because they weren't heard. And it brought set a, such a light to my eyes that it's so important that we as just human beings really listen to each other and care about each other. And so that made me passionate about student voice back then. And then um, after that, like I said, I worked for child welfare and there's just, you know, child welfare is so hard. Um, that there's just lessons I also learned from that, like making sure that when you're working with foster youth or youth being investigated, that you just really make sure that we're hearing the youth. Um, because I think sometimes, unfortunately, that falls out and the parents are talked to a lot and the counselors are talked to a lot. But unfortunately, sometimes the students or the youth aren't talked to as much as they should. So um, all of those things really brought me to a place where I just I truly believe that it's important as human beings that we listen to each other. And so why would we not listen to a student just because they might not be 18 years old? That's very true. And if it's something that, you know, that involves them, why not include them? You know, you can exactly. listen all you want, but you got to put some actions forth just to really get that comprehension and understanding that what it can, the power that it holds, you know? Exactly. So, Allison, in a perfect world where student voice was, imp if student voice was implemented correctly at schools, what do you think schools would look like? I think that um, all students, no matter their background, uh, what type of adversity they have gone through, they would actually feel like they are heard and that they belong and that they eventually become, like I said, little civic leaders in our society and really improve our whole society. And then one of the other things I just want to also point out is that for student voice to be implemented correctly, you have to make sure you're closing the feedback loop. So that's just one mistake that happens so often, whether we intentionally do it or not. But students will provide all kinds of wonderful, amazing feedback, and then no one gets back to them. No one says, we listened to your feedback, we read your feedback, this is what we're doing about it. So um, if it's being implemented correctly, you also really, really have to make sure that someone's closing the feedback loop with the students. In other words, that's kind of just like, you know, just showing that you've responded to their feedback pretty much like just giving following up with them. Absolutely. It's it, that's exactly what it is. And the other thing is, like I said, you know, student voices, adult student partnership. So sometimes students may provide feedback that's just not practical for a certain amount of reasons. Right. Like maybe there's not funding for that. Maybe there's not resources for that or whatever. 
Um, but a, an adult respecting a student enough to come back and explain that is critical because that will help them understand, okay, I get why this can't happen, but at least someone listened to me. So I was heard. So I think that that's what we miss a lot of times is that adults will think, well, we can't do that. So, you know, we just can't do that and throw the paper away. But it's like, okay, I understand you can't do that, but go back to the student and explain why that can't happen. And then maybe work with them to figure out another alternative to their suggestion. What are some next steps that schools can take if they are interested in student voice projects? So um, if you're in Kern County, uh, the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Foster and Homeless Education Program, we can actually provide technical assistance to you um, if that's something that you're interested in. So uh, we are working um, on student voice initiatives through the CDE's uh, HIP grant, which is the Homeless Innovative Projects grant. So through that grant, we are going to have a lot of materials, teaching student voice, uh, resources to help with student voice, et cetera, um, that districts around the United States can utilize if they'd like to, um, even if they're not in Kern County. They would just need to visit our website at www.kern.org HIP or HIP. If there's an agency, school, or a young person who wants to get in touch with you, how do they go about doing that? So they can either jump on that website, like I just said, um, kern.org slash hip, or they can email me, um, albaptiste at kern.org, and my information will also be on that website. Is there anything you wished we asked that we didn't? I wish you would have asked me how student voice is trauma-informed, um, because we have such a focus on trauma-informed care, trauma-informed services, uh, but it's important to know that student voice is trauma-informed um, because it's making schools more equitable, it's listening to students, and if we're going to say that we've sent all of our staff to a trauma-informed care training, why don't we also make sure then that we're utilizing student voice initiatives to actually bring that trauma-informed care into our schools? Before we wrap things up, we would like to ask you, do you have a life motto? I do. <laughs> so um, my grandma, who is actually 101 years old this year, <laughs> um, it was very close to me my whole life. And she had this motto that she always told me ever since I was a little kid, and it made me laugh, and I always listened to it. So what she would always say was she would say, everyone is weird, but I'm glad I'm weird in my own way. And I always think about that because every time I think about doing something creative or different, I just, that makes me feel better and it makes me realize it's okay to be weird in my own way. Um, and, you know, my grandma's still 101 and she's still living that life motto. So I think it's a good one. That's a great motto. Yeah. <laughs> Allison, we appreciate your time with us today. Thank you so much for your insight and your sharing of that story. It was very impactful and very powerful. And as an adult supporter, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on this show and actually showing what it is to be an adult ally, like a genuine adult ally who's passionate about working with these kids and actually, you know, implementing student voice across the world and in these schools. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Wow, what an amazing guest. I just, I love her insight. She has such a brilliant mind. She's a force to be reckoned with. I, she just brought so many great aspects to the table. It was so informative and empowering just sitting here and listening to her. 
Yeah, and I love all the information that she kind of presented that educators can take a look at, like, you know, like student voice collaboration with adult allies and partnerships and just how student voice can be implemented in schools, like just these little things that can be implemented in schools for the students, like just having a student on a board can just change everything. Like, you know, you're getting the opinion of a student and just how that can make their experience better. Um, and the difference between tokenism and adultism, you know, I think it was just great information that everyone could really just implement. I love that she gave multiple ways, like a big way and a really small way. So maybe you can't do the huge way, but you can do a smaller version of Youth Voice and implementing it. I love that she gave us those tools and where to find it and how to help others. Yeah, also the importance of like closing the feedback loop, you know, just when a student speaks on what can make things better, just actually responding and putting it forth instead of just listening and not doing anything at all. So it's really just putting that action forward, which can make a big difference. I'm really excited to see people use this information and fly with it. Thank you, Allison, again. I just, I love what you do and the work you're doing. You're amazing. You're a genuine ally, and I really just hope the schools can implement this and just create a change for the better. Thank you for listening to Youth Voice Amplified. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the show, please share it with others or post about it on social media to catch all the latest from our podcast or continue to the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram at Youth Voice Amplified Podcast. If you're looking for our show notes or recommended resources for any of our episodes, please visit our website at www.kern.org YVA. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or would like to recommend a topic or guest, you can email us at youthvoiceamplified at gmail.com and be sure to like and follow us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasting. Join us for our next episode when Brian and I sit down with our next youth storyteller. Thanks again. See you next time. And we out of here. Youth Voice Amplified is a youth-led project of the Kern County Superintendent of Schools Office, created, produced, and hosted by Janessa Fisher and Brian Johnson, with writing, research, and additional production support by Kim Silva, Allison Baptiste, and the Kern Educational Television Network. Major funding for the Youth Voice Amplified podcast is provided by the Student Achievement and Support Division of the California Department of Education through the Homeless Innovative Program Grant. Thanks for listening.